there and welcome again to the podcast Biblical Question. We're happy that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. I'd encourage you to please like us and follow us and or subscribe depending on your app so that you get notices when we release our podcast weekly, uh, usually Saturday evening between 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We're also on the SoundCloud. You can listen to us on iTunes and Google Play. You can go to our webpage and find a list of the different podcasts that you can listen to us on, as well as uh, links to our social media account. We have uh, just got that kind of up and going. We'd also like to encourage you just to visit our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. There you can find out more information about us, how to support us. We also have a prayer list page that we're trying to get started. And if you would like your name added to that, we have about 60 to 70 hits now a week of people going there and reading the web page. And I'm sure those people would happily pray for you as well. And of course, if you have any Bible questions, that's really what the podcast was originated for, we would be happy to try to answer your questions. We've already had several podcasts from answers and from questions from listeners just like you and we would encourage you to go to the web page and use the contact us page to, to do so today we're going to talk about the, the question is is the Bible trustworthy is the Bible trustworthy and I'm going to start off here by reading 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 through 16 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 through 16, and then we're going to skip around quite a bit today. And so if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it and follow along. Starting verse 10, here it says, the Apostle Paul, Now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and perseverance, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me in Antioch, in Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all... The Lord has rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which were able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through Christ's faith. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good word. Okay, so I read an extra verse or two in there. But that's what we're going to do to go on today. Here is the Apostle Paul. And he he just wrote this letter to a preacher named Timothy. That's, that's why we have the title of the book. And Paul will teach Timothy that all Scripture is inspired from God. Every account from creation to the event to the amen of the last word of the Bible in Revelation. It is written down because God has written it for us. 
while a, a fleshy man would say he doesn't believe that the creation events, as recorded in the book of Genesis, are correct. He, he might say that science has proved all of that wrong. And he would continue to say that man has all kinds of genes running through his veins, causing mankind to chase after evil and lustful things. Those who claim to be Christian are not to be fleshy. We're to be walking in the Word of God. We are to be living each breath from the Word of God. The evil one has always done his best to muddy up the waters by telling mankind he cannot help his lifestyle or God really didn't mean that you would die. God's always a liar. He tries to make God out to be a liar. As Christians, we are to listen we are to obey and trust this book that we call the Bible. No matter what the condition might be or the situation that surrounds us and our families, we must trust in the Word of God. And I'm not going to say, oh, that's really easy, because it's not. It is a fight each and every day. You know what? If you really truly believe in Jesus and the words that he said are accurate and true, they wouldn't listen up to this. Jesus will give credibility to the creation story and the flood. Jesus names many lies and many people as though they were actual people and events. We will begin uh, to trust things outside the scope of Scripture. When we do that, we're allowing the evil one to places where he wants us to be and not Christ. The word inspired in the Greek here in our scripture reading that we start off with is, is God breathed. There's something special about this book that we call the Bible. It is breathed into by God. Now, now think about this in light of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 where God takes the dust of the ground and from that dust of the ground he will form man. He will make Adam. And the verse reads, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You see, we live because God has breathed into us. This word lives because God has breathed into it, what we call the Bible. We do not need to be ashamed of the word of God at all. As, as a people of God, we should be proud and confident of the Word of God. Again, is the question that we did get in, uh, is the Bible trustworthy? Well, without question, you can trust the Bible. So, today in the podcast, I want to share with you some minor proofs here. You, some people might say, but you can use this to share with your friends, your neighbors, and your co-workers. So when someone asks you, why do you believe, you and I can answer without any hesitation and say, hey, let me show you. I have my Bible right here. You know, one of the reasons I can believe that the Bible is, is, is this uh, predicted prophecies. And I know a lot of people are always heavy in the prophecy, and that's all they study, but when we study about prophecies, let me clarify. 
A prophet was simply a mouth of God. One who spoke for God or God spoke through. When a prophet spoke, I mean, go back and read Jeremiah and Isaiah. More times than not, that prophet was speaking was history. They actually would speak of things that had already taken place in Israel's history. Then there were times that they would speak about things that were of current event. For example, Jeremiah especially, he would preach about the poor and the widow and the orphans being taken advantage of and that God was aware of that. Look at this famous uh, conversation between King David and a prophet Nathan. An event that clearly had been taken place in the past. And Nathan, he will point out to David, you are the man. Now Nathan would not have known about David, King David, having Uriah killed. He would have had no clue, but yet Nathan hits David square between the eyes with this. Something of the past, of David's past. How far back? It doesn't matter. David uh, did not advertise what had happened. Only God and David knew what had happened. Then every once in a while, uh, their speech would be something really very special. By predictive prophecy. By God kind of like opening up the curtain just a little bit and saying, here, look, or, or, or listen. Here's something that will take place hundreds of years into the future. And one of the most powerful arguments in showing that the word of God is God-breathed is predictive prophecy. So what I want to share with you in the podcast today uh, with you about predictive prophecy is that of uh, the Messiah. And I want us to be able to put it to the test. If the, if the Bible is the Word of God, then it should be able to withstand any task that you and I could throw at it. But here's the five criteria uh, for the test. The first one is, these prophecies must be exact and in detail. Number two, there must be an allotted time between the time it was prophesied and its fulfillment. Number three, the prophecy must be stated in a clear and understandable terms. Number four, there has to be an undeniable fulfillment. And the last one, the fulfillment must be outside of Jesus' control. And so we're going to go to Zechariah uh, chapter 11. This is going to be the first prophecy uh, that we're going to look at. And in this prophecy, we will see that Jesus will be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah chapter 11, starting in verse uh, 12 and 13, says, I said then, if it is good in your sight, give me my wages. But if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took the thirty shekels of silver and threw them at the potter in the house of the Lord. Now here's the fulfillment. Both of these we're going to look at are in Matthew. One's in chapter 26 and the second one's in Matthew chapter 27. So Matthew chapter 26 
14 through 16 says, Then one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to portray him to you? And they weighed out thirty pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to portray Jesus. Chapter 27, verses 3 through 8. Then when Jesus, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. Verse 5. And then he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed. And they went away, and he hanged himself. The chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury, since it is the price of blood. And they confronted together, and with the money they bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. And for this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. See, over 400 years before this event will take place, how does Zechariah know that from 30 pieces of silver, the Messiah would be betrayed for? This in itself would be an amazing prophecy, but it's really not over. How does he know that the same silver would be thrown back into the temple? This is exactly what Jesus uh, Judas, excuse me, does with it. And then he, they talk about it and they, what they're going to do with this money, this silver, and they come up with this idea to buy a potter's field. How does the prophet really know this? How can he have such details about this account of the events of the Messiah and his betrayal? This is something that is really beyond Jesus' control. The only answer to the question is that this book is God-breathed. A second prophecy we're going to look at. We're going to start in Psalm 22, and we're going to flip over then to John chapter 20. The second prophecy would be that Jesus' hands and feet would be pierced. Psalm 22, verse 16, For dogs have surrounded me, abandoned evil doers have encompassed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. And here's the fulfillment from Psalms 22 into John chapter 20, 24 through 28. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with him. And Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. And then verse 27, He said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger, and see my hands, and reach here and put your hand into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And then he answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. You're talking about thousands of years before this event will take place. The psalmist writes that the Messiah 
would be pierced. How in, in the world does he know this is going to happen? The Romans are, are known for beheading, hanging, uh, tying a person's hands and feet and throwing them into the river to drown. They throw men to wild animals in the Colosseum. There are all kinds of ways that the, the Roman people, government, uh, actually executed people. And so how could the prophecy be right on target? You know, the only way that King David knows this is that this book is God-breathed. And then here, back into, into Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It's really about uh, the Messiah. And it, uh, Jesus will quote this on the cross, but that's kind of within his control, so we'll say that for uh, another time. But long story short is he is saying that psalm is about him. Verse 22 says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And then in Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, says this, And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots. You know, not only does King David call it correctly about the Christ being pierced, David also calls this one correctly as well. This can only be if God has breathed into this book. There can be no logical explanation. How could something be wrote down a thousand years before it takes place and to have men witness the fulfillment? There is a God, and he is not bound by time. This is really beyond Jesus' control. I mean, what's he going to do while he's hanging on the cross? Say, hey guys, you, you need to divide up those garments, so uh, would you get to it? And he doesn't say that. They just do that. They did that probably with every prisoner. Uh, but they executed, didn't need the clothes anymore, so they took it and sold it probably for money. And then Jesus will be buried in a tomb. Uh, here's another prophecy that we're going to look at. And if you're already at Matthew chapter 27, just hold your thumb there. And you flip over to uh, Isaiah 53, verse 9. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor were there any deceit in his mouth. Matthew chapter 27 says this, starting uh, in verse 5 and 6. When it, was, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. You know, there are today there are people who say, uh, Jesus read the Old Testament, and therefore he knew the prophecies and he went around deliberately fulfilling them. Well, I, I don't know about you. I can only really speak for myself. My first thought is this. How does a dead man control this? How does Jesus control this one? I mean, he's dead. How can a dead man control anybody? And the answer is, he could not. 
How did Isaiah, 700 years before this happens, would know this? And the answer again can only be the Bible, the book, the scriptures, is God-breathed. If this book is, is God-breathed, can you and I trust this book? And the answer is, without any doubt, yes you can. You know, in this podcast, we've only looked at a handful of prophecies concerning the Christ or the Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah. With the eight prophecies that we just kind of skimmed over uh, and, we, and that we looked at in this podcast today, do you realize the odds of this being fulfilled? The best uh, illustration I, I've heard of this would be you take... Uh, the state of any any state in the Union. And you go from one corner to the other, covered the whole state in silver dollars, two feet deep. And then you take one silver dollar and you paint it red. Then you have an airplane at 2,000 feet, just kind of drop it at random. What are the odds that you're going to find that one red silver dollar that was painted? While walking across the state, and you're looking around, and whoa, boy, look, there's a red coin. The odds are so small. I mean, come on, really? The odds against these eight prophecies are being fulfilled. Then you, then you throw in 300, and every one of them has been fulfilled. And listeners, this is no accident. So yes, we can trust the book that we call the Bible. Absolutely we can. Because the bottom line is that God wrote this book. Let me close here with a couple scripture readings and and give you a a challenge here. Isaiah chapter 41 and then John chapter 13. First, Isaiah 41, 22 and 23 says this. Bring in your idols to tell us what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were, so that we may consider them and know the final outcome, or to declare to us the things to come. I mean, here's God's challenge to those who worship false gods, who who do believe there's more than one way to heaven, there's more than one God. How can they tell you what the future holds or former things? God says, I know that I can do this very thing, And I have proven it over and over and over again. And then here's Jesus in John chapter 13 verse 19. He says this. From now on I am telling you before it comes to pass. So that when it does occur you may believe that I am he. You see we can believe every word in the scripture. We can believe Jesus is the son of God. We can believe that he's the long-prophesied Messiah. In fact, you can stake your life on it. And many people over the years have. And probably more so today than in many other times in history from all the articles that we've been reading. Are you willing to stake your life on it? If, if you already have, great. God bless you. May he give you the strength and encouragement. May the Holy Spirit guide you and direct your footsteps in your words. But if not, 
I, I would encourage you, if, if the podcast is struck you in some way and you need help or prayers, uh, we, we would enjoy uh, praying for you if you let us know. I find a congregation that's teaching the entire Word of God, not just uh, a few things. And I know there's many groups out there are very heavy on, on what they think is very important. And I think the, all the words of God are important. And that's why we're trying so hard to, to have different uh, podcasts on different topics from different books about different people and trying to answer questions uh, that come in. And again, this was a question uh, from a listener. Is the, is the Bible trustworthy? And so I felt like it was uh, a good question enough for me to be able to uh, put this in, a, in about a 30-minute podcast. I know normally when we answer questions, we kind of do so short and kind of to the point, and uh, we try to put several questions together at once, but this one was, was very important, and it made a good topic for the, today's podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about us, I would encourage you uh, to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, and you can find us uh, on Google Play, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and many other uh, podcast apps. Uh, you might uh, find us under Biblical Question, and some of the podcast uh, apps uh, made us pick a different name for some reason. And so you might find us under DEAF, D-E-A-F, Preacher. And uh, I would encourage you to like us and follow us so that when we do release our weekly podcast Saturday evenings uh, between 7, 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time, that uh, you will get a, a text alert or an email, however that works with your your podcast uh, app that we know there's a new one out uh, please make sure to like us and share us when we have those happen uh, we are aware of it and uh, we just rejoice with God that those things are happening if we hope and pray that you've been blessed by uh, this podcast it would encourage you uh, to have more trust into the Bible and who God is and what he says that he will do and has done and may he have the glory.